It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, (laughs) Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. This is the trade deadline preview show because... Unlike most years, the Jets are expected to be very active at the trade deadline. We assume they are going to be sellers. So, of course, to talk about this, we bring in the man that is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? How are you? Uh, you know, just uh, just sitting here, surviving, waiting to make it to the next day. Reminds me of Paulie Walnuts on The Sopranos. When somebody asked how he was doing, he said, you know, I'm alive. I'm surviving. Exactly. That's 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 really the only answer anyone should ever give to that that generic question. How's it going? Yeah, you know, I'm still alive. That's it. I also like George Carlin's joke about how each day breaks his previous record for consecutive days he stayed alive. Yes. <laughs> a great actor and a great comedian we're citing here to start the show, Chris. No question about it. Let's talk about whether or not the Jets are going to make some great actions here at the trade deadline. A lot of buzz going around, and we're going to build this up because obviously most of the anticipation surrounds Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams, so we will talk about them last. You're just going to have to wait until the end. That's how we're going to do this. We're going to keep you on the edge of your seat, and we're going to start with Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. There are people that have talked about either one of these guys are both getting traded, and I want to pour some cold water on this because... A, the Jets would have to take major cap hits to trade either one of them, and B, they're both terrible and nobody wants them. Yeah, I mean, if if you're thinking about that they're going to be able to unload them, what are you even thinking that they're going to get get back for them? Like, going to get back even uh, is somebody going to even give up a seventh for Trumaine Johnson? <coughs> like, who would who would do that, and why would they do that? And uh, Daryl Roberts, I mean, what are you going to get from that? Who, What team out there is needing cornerback help and is going to be like Daryl uh, Roberts is the answer there? You look at a team like the Eagles and how bad their secondary is, is struggling, and they're not going to throw on the tape of Daryl Roberts and be like, yeah, we need to get that guy. That guy's going to f- fix all our problems. We, we, ju- we miss, just missed on Jalen Ramsey, but we'll be all right with Daryl Roberts. That's not a thing. That's not going to happen. I, I just can't imagine that that, that would happen. If, if I'm Joe Douglas and a trade offer for either of them comes across my desk, I don't even need to look at it. I'm signing the paper and I'm going, but I can't imagine that a trade offer is coming across his desk. 
The only type of trade that could happen with Tremaine Johnson would be a Brock Osweiler type deal where the Jets would have to give somebody a draft pick to take Tremaine Johnson off of their hands. As far as Daryl Roberts, I think that he could have been tradable if he was making what he made last year. So if he was a very low-cost option that you could bring in for depth purposes, maybe he's somebody you could get a late-round draft pick for, but he's making starter money right now, so there's no way anybody's taking him. Plus... As you said, Chris, he has not played well. It's different when you're playing as a fourth or fifth corner, when you're the starter and you're getting destroyed like that and making the money that he makes. It makes him more or less unmovable. Let's move on to Ty Montgomery. This is an interesting one, Chris, because the Jets have not used him, which makes no sense to me. You would think they would use him a lot more than they have. They used him very sparingly, despite the fact that he obviously has experience playing wide receiver and running back. They could use help spelling Le'Veon Bell because Bell has been overused for the bulk of the season they could use him as a wide receiver because they're very shallow depth wise there but they haven't done much of either one he's somebody that came cheaply in the offseason one year for the veterans minimum but I think he may have shown enough in the preseason that somebody might be willing to give up a late round pick or a conditional pick to get him if they have injuries at running back we've seen a couple of teams that have had injuries at running back so this is a guy that I think it's worth keeping an eye on but just bear in mind if the Jets get anything, it's not going to be much. Yeah, I mean, remember, he was traded from the Packers after he had that whole uh, fumble on the kickoff thing and uh, tried to force it, and then they ended up uh, trading him to Baltimore for a seventh-round draft pick. Um, so I can't imagine that that there can possibly be any hopes and desires to get anything more than that now. Um, and you touched on it. This this is one of those weird things that I, I don't really have an answer for. Watching all the training camp and preseason, I thought Ty Montgomery was going to have a much bigger role in this offense. I am ho- hardly the only one on the beat who thought this. We all watched it, and we were like, oh, Ty Montgomery is going to get a lot of snaps. He's going to be in this offense. He's going to be used at receiver. He's going to be used in the backfield with Le'Veon Bell, sometimes to spell Le'Veon Bell. And he's not out there a lot at all. And it just I, – I don't get it. Um, it. They seem to put such a heavy emphasis on using him. Uh, I thought he was going to be a weapon that they that they tried to lean on, and they really haven't gone to that at all. So, again, this is another situation where I would understand the Jets being willing to move on from somebody like Ty Montgomery. I just don't know what the hell you're possibly getting back. And it's one thing to make trades and to, you know, get draft picks for the future. But if you're just selling off a bunch of people just for sixth and seventh round picks, that doesn't seem to make much sense. I could see doing it if they're able to get a sixth or seventh round pick only because Gase doesn't seem like he's going to use him the rest of the way. And they're not going to bring him back. He's on a one-year deal anyway, so might as well get something rather than nothing. This isn't a player that you're going to get a comp pick for. But again, it really saddens me that they haven't done more with him. Not that he's a great player, but clearly they have a use for somebody that could do what he does, at least in little bits and pieces here and there, and they haven't done much of anything. So I'm confused, but if they could get something for him, I think it probably makes sense given the situation right now. Let's talk about the offensive line, Chris, because in theory, any of these guys should be available. It's just I don't know who's going to want them. Kelvin Beecham... If you trade him, I'm not sure what you do there. I guess you would leave a Dolga at left tackle and put Shell at right tackle. If Beecham wasn't hurt, maybe some team would want him down the stretch because they'd want offensive line depth. The contender might give you a conditional late-round pick or something. But he's hurt, and I don't really know what the Jets would do to protect Sam if they got rid of him. Shell is an interesting one only in the sense that I suppose there could be a team that maybe looks at Shell and thinks that he's worth something depth-wise. Maybe you could get a late round pick or a conditional pick for him. They're obviously not going to bring him back. He was benched for a reason and he's terrible. I don't know that there's anyone that's willing to give you anything for him, but I suppose if somebody is, you consider it, even though it will leave you very shallow depth-wise. The rest of these guys, you're not going to trade Alex Lewis because he's been your best offensive lineman. Chumadog is a rookie, so he's not going anywhere. 
I guess maybe if you want to make a case, you could try to trade Winters. I don't think anybody takes him. He's been banged up. He's making a lot of money. And then you would have to put Compton in their guard and you'd have no real reinforcements there. So I don't think anything's going to happen on the offensive line. I just don't think there are any realistically movable pieces there. Yeah, there's there's really not. And I mean, maybe with, with Shell, maybe there's somebody who had had him on a list before the season. Like, you know, there was some uh, some okay tape with him earlier in his career. Maybe we can uh, uh, turn it around and get him fixed out. Maybe they liked him then, uh, and they'd be willing to take a chance to get him in early and get a look at him so they could make a decision moving forward. But even then, that would we're talking again about like a sixth, seventh round pick most likely. Um and uh, back to the previous thing, I, I agree about Ty, Ty Montgomery, about being willing to give him for a sixth or a seventh. What I meant more along the line is right now we're talking, every player we're talking about is like best case scenario is a six or seven. And you're not trading like five players away and just collecting six and sevens. That that doesn't make sense. Um, so you can you could choose one or two of them to do it with. But like, what's the point of having all those six and sevens? Um, but yeah, on the offensive line, just... Adoga, uh, it, you know, rookie is not going to trade him. Um, obviously, Khalil just retired. He came out, signed a one-year deal. Hasn't been great. You're not going to sign him. Winter's not going to be able to trade him. Uh, Beecham hurt. Hasn't been good. I mean, it, like, maybe there's somebody, like I said, that had Shell on a list before the season as a maybe. and But I, even then, I doubt that. One guy that's definitely not going to be tradable is Kalechio Semele. Chris, this is the weirdest situation. We still are missing pieces of this story, I feel like. But at the same time, I think Brian Costello made a really good point here. This is a fight that the Jets just can't win. Whether or not they're on the right side is a whole other story. But Semele can do things here that the Jets can't. He can release medical records that they can't. He can talk about this publicly and they can't. So no matter what, he's going to win the PR battle and the Jets are going to look bad. I hope that they have a leg to stand on for their sake because if they're doing this and they're on the wrong side of things on top of the fact that they're getting crushed in the PR battle, this is going to look really, really bad for the franchise. And I know that these guys have a tendency to forget stuff like this when it comes to contract time because if the Jets offer the most money, then whatever, they'll come and sign with the Jets. But still, this is not the kind of thing that you want out there especially if the Jets end up actually being on the wrong side of this. It's one of the more bizarre situations I've seen in a while. Yeah, it's totally bizarre. And like that right there, what you said about what Costello said, uh, that's pretty much the biggest reason why I'm sitting here thinking like there has to be something missing from the Jets side here because I can't imagine, like they have to know this and they have to realize that they're going to, they ha- they can't really be going through this unless they have a leg to stand on, unless there's something that they can point to and feel completely right and vindicated on. Um, because uh, Costello's absolutely 100% right. He, he can get out in front of this and he can talk it and he can either, you know, be completely upfront and completely honest with everything and just paint everything bad as the Jets are. He can spin lies and the Jets can't counteract it. Um, so, like, for them to sit there and just take these hits and not be able to say anything on it, it that would seem ludicrous for them to go through all that just for them to be proven to be wrong and proven to have screwed him over in the in the end. There, there has to be something. I and I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Joe Douglas the the credit to to say that he's competent enough not to withstand all this negative PR and press because I again I don't understand what like if I'm in charge right now I'd probably just be like you know what I'm just gonna let him do what he wants it's not like we're talking about somebody with like a 30 million dollar cap hit like you know like it's not they can they can afford to take whatever financial hit they get from it doesn't make sense why they're doing this it just doesn't make sense at all to me. Um, but then again, there, there's, this is kind of how a lot of the season has gone. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm giving 
Joe, right now I'm saying Joe Douglas is more competent than this. And that's why I'm thinking this, but we'll see. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. I would hope so for the Jets sake, because as you said, Chris, for them to dig their heels in like this, if they're on the wrong side would just be a really bad look. And I don't know exactly what Joe Douglas's role here is because I'm assuming he's following directives from ownership here. But either way, Joe Douglas is going to be the one that would take the public hit on this. And so I hope for his sake that they actually have a leg to stand on here because otherwise this is going to be very ugly. Let's move on with the rest of the potential trade targets that other teams could be calling the Jets about. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now, Chris. Jordan Jenkins is a player who has been fairly solid for the Jets. He's a third-round pick. He's been a solid producer, but nothing amazing. So here's a guy that the Jets may or may not want to bring back at the end of the season. Hard to say right now. What kind of value would he have to another team as a fairly ordinary player who's in a walk year? I don't know, maybe a fifth or sixth round pick at that rate. Is it worth trading him? I guess if you believe that the season is over, then maybe it is. If you've decided that you don't want to pay Jordan Jenkins, I probably wouldn't move him because I think you can most likely re-sign him for a reasonable price. And again, not that he's great, but we've talked about this. He's been a solid edge setter and he's not the guy that you want to be your number one edge rusher but if you have him as your number two edge rusher it's not that bad so that might be what I'm looking to do try and get a reasonable contract done with him and I just don't think that the return that you're going to get back a fifth or sixth round pick most likely would be worth it now don't get me wrong if there's some crazy team that steps up and offers you a third or a fourth and you've decided you don't want to pay them fine go ahead and do it but anything below that I just don't think it's worth it yeah, I'm I'm with you. He's one of the guys that uh, so far we've mentioned where I'm like, yeah, I can see somebody actually uh, trading for him. But what it would cost, it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't try to get him back in at a uh, you know a reasonable number. I think they can get him at a reasonable number. I don't think he's going to be uh, commanding huge money from anybody. Um, so like again, if we're talking. I think he could probably you, – you might be able to get like a fifth back for him. Um, but I, the chances of getting that fifth to, to equal the production that he has, I don't know. Um, it, it's, it's a tricky situation because obviously if you, you lose Jordan Jenkins, you could, you could find a, a, a replacement uh, for him without no, uh, much of a problem and you might be able to find a better replacement. But he's he's a really solid player who isn't going to cost a crazy amount of money to resign. And like you said, if you if all of a sudden you get, um, you know, a top pass rusher in the draft, and you then all of a sudden Jordan Jenkins becomes a lot more valuable to you. So he's one of the players that I think that they could trade uh, and get at least something worthwhile back i just don't know if that would be enough for me to actually pull the trigger while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill they operated a full service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted they tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's continue on the defensive side of the ball now, Chris, with Marcus May. This is an interesting one. We've debated this. I think a lot of this comes down to whether or not Joe Douglas sees Marcus May as a long-term piece that he wants to keep around because you have to bear in mind, Marcus May is 27 years old. He's been hurt a lot, and his contract is coming up at the end of next season, his rookie deal. I'm not exactly sure what his market value is going to be, but this has probably been the best football he's played in his career, and it's the healthiest he's been. So if you've decided that you don't want to pay him, then maybe now is the time to move him because I think you could find a way to get by the rest of the season, which, let's be honest, is kind of a lost season in a sense because we know they're not going to make the playoffs. So you could get by with somebody else at safety the rest of the year if you need to. As far as I'm concerned, this really all depends on what you can get back for him. I think if a team is willing to offer you a third or a fourth and you've decided that you want to move on, now might be the time because... He could be hurt at any moment. He's been hurt so much that now that he's healthy, his value is probably never going to be higher. And again, he comes up for contract at the end of next season. If they don't get a decent offer, then I would hang on to him no matter what. And listen, it's possible that Joe Douglas has identified him as a long-term piece that he wants to keep around. But remember, he's starting to get up there in age for a player at his position. And on top of that, You're talking about somebody who's hurt all the time. So I think if somebody calls about Marcus May and they're willing to offer a third or fourth round pick, you have to at least consider it. This is the biggest reason why you do not want to uh, consistently draft older players like Mike McCagnan consistently did. Because you get them, you have them for four years, and then they all of a sudden, their second contract, you're debating about the age. Um and obviously the um, matters are complicated more because Marcus may had the injury issues. I wouldn't trade Marcus may and I would resign Marcus may in the off season. Again, he's a safety. He's had all the injury concerns. He's not going to break the bank. And I just think you need a safety like Marcus may behind Jamal Adams to let Jamal be Jamal. I I am a big believer in Marcus May. The only thing, the only knock I have on Marcus May are those injury concerns. So if, you know, I'm not privy to obviously the, what the doctors and the medical history, uh, the, all the medical stuff, if they're, they have like strong concerns about his durability going forward, then okay, I could be talked into uh, moving on from him. But if if they're comfortable with that and they're just like, those are just, you know, injuries that happen, that he's got nothing hanging over from him uh, there, that then I, I'm going to keep him. He's not going to cost that much money. I don't as, – as much as I think Marcus Bay is really good, I still don't know what he would fetch back in return. So, obviously, you could throw out, uh, a, you know – no one's going to offer him a first round pick, or obviously, but um, I, I just think that you need a safety like that to uh, to cover up and let Jamal be Jamal. And those those types of those free safeties, those single high safeties, aren't easy to come by. Um, and, and again, he's not going to cost too much to resign. So. I, I wouldn't move on from him unless it was just a, an absolute, you know, can't refuse type offer. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. I got to be honest, Chris. I think if they get offered a third or a fourth, I'd probably pull the trigger. I'm just too worried about those injuries going forward. We've seen this too many times. I think this is a situation where you would sell high. I like May. I think he's a good player, but his age and injuries, I just don't know. And I'm not as convinced as you are that you wouldn't have to give him a sizable contract, which you would have to do at age 29. I don't know that I like that prospect. So I think if a good offer came in the form of a third or fourth round pick, 
I'd probably lean towards doing it. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Now let's get into some more controversial possibilities here, and we'll start with Robbie Anderson. This is somebody that we thought was definitely going to be a part of the Jets' long-term plans. You and I have talked about this a bunch, but opinion has shifted. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, who's a weekly guest on this program, has come out and said that the Jets are indeed actively shopping Robbie Anderson, which indicates to me that they believe that he probably is going to ask for too much money or maybe already has asked for too much money. Perhaps they've checked in with his side about negotiations and been told numbers that they don't find tenable. So they're looking to see what they can get. I'm not sure that the Jets are going to necessarily deal him just to deal him. I think that they're putting him out there and saying, if you want him, he's available, but you're going to have to meet such and such asking price. The question becomes, what is the asking price? According to reports last year, the Eagles had offered a fourth rounder for Robbie and the Jets said no, which I think is wise. Here's where I fall on this. This is a very difficult one, and I think it's the most difficult one of all the players that the Jets could be in the market to trade. A lot of people have made this point, including you, Chris, and I think it's a very valid one, that if you trade Robbie Anderson, you're hurting Sam Darnold a lot this year because then he doesn't have much left to throw to. The counter to that is if the Jets feel like they are not going to bring him back at the end of this season and a team offers them something really good that they feel they could take and turn into a really useful piece, then maybe it's worth doing and you can just grin and bear it for the other half of the season against a bunch of opponents that aren't that good. And if Sam Darnold is anywhere near as good as you think he is, he should be able to get by with Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, Chris Herndon when he comes back against the Dolphins, the Giants, the Bengals, so on and so forth. I think I fall somewhere in the middle here. I'm with you, Chris, in the fact that I don't love the idea of trading Robbie Anderson for the reason that you said that it could hurt Darnold's development to a degree. I also would like to see him stay because he's 24 years old and he's shown a lot of upside. But at the same time, if the Jets have decided that they don't want to keep him for whatever reason, let's say they don't want to pay him, and some team calls and offers a second-round pick in what's going to be a very loaded draft, if the Jets get a second-rounder for him, and we're going to talk about Leonard Williams, if they get some draft picks for him, now all of a sudden Joe Douglas is loaded with draft picks, and he can really start to put his stamp on this team. He can draft his own wide receivers. He can rebuild the offensive line. So I could see doing it if some team makes him a really good offer. If it's, say, a second-round pick or maybe a third and a fourth, like what Denver got for Emmanuel Sanders, I think you'd have to at least consider it. I don't know what I would do, though, honestly, Chris. I think a second rounder, I would probably pull the trigger. Anything less than that, I think I would probably just hang on to Robbie. And obviously, we don't know for sure whether or not the Jets are going to get that third round comp pick. There are some other factors in play in terms of how much money they may spend because if you run the numbers and you look at some of the players the Jets are going to get rid of and some of the guys that are going to walk, they're going to have a lot of money freed up under the cap again. So it's entirely possible that they won't get the comp pick that you think they might get for Robbie Anderson here. So I know what you're going to say, Chris. You're going to say that the Jets shouldn't trade Robbie Anderson and you're going to want to drop kick Bam Bam Douglas, which, by the way, I wouldn't recommend because he'd kill you. No offense, Chris. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> but, Understood. But still that you would want to drop kick him for trading Robbie Anderson. But I think if a lucrative offer comes, you'd have to at the very least consider it. And I might pull the trigger on it for a second round pick, to be honest. Yeah, all I'm going to say is if they trade Robbie Anderson, I am going to hammer them. And a full disclosure here, I would re-sign Robbie in the all. I'd, I'd give him an extension. I'd be trying to give him an extension now. Um, so I, I love Robbie Anderson, the player. I love what he can do for Sam Darnold in this offense. Um, and I, I would absolutely look to keep him long-term. I think – 
this team, this offense is lacks weapons and it doesn't make sense to get rid of one of those weapons. You build the offense around Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Herndon, and Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. You that's a that's a solid foundation. If you can just upgrade the offensive line and add one more receiver, that is a really good uh, unit that you have there on offense. If you trade Robbie away, you also you're opening up a hole. Yes, you're getting a draft pick in return, but you're you're creating a new hole there. Uh, I know th- there's still a lot of fans out there that still look at Rob. Oh, he just want, runs one route. Number one, there's plenty of great receivers in this league who survive only on being able to run one route. Um, you know, I'm not putting uh, Robbie Anderson in the Randy Moss uh, category, obviously, but I mean, he can run every route Randy Ross uh, Moss ran. Um, he can, and I I still believe he can do more. And I believe that we would have seen that he could do more if we had been able to see Darnold throughout the entire season so far, instead of just the three games that we've seen him in, um, you know, in one of them, the mono game and one of them might as well have been a mono game uh, because he would, uh, the Patriots just absolutely destroyed the entire offense and nobody had a chance to do anything. Um and a lot of that was just because of how badly Gase got out coached in that situation. Um, I think that you would have been able to see more there. Uh, but this, this is the thing. If, if in the off season you want to move on from Robbie, you don't want to pay him what he wants, wants, I can be talked into it at that point because you can go in and you can get another receiver and to fill in before another game is played. I am not signing up to have Darnold play and try to develop the rest of the season with just Demarius Thomas and Jamison Crowder as his only two receivers. I'm not doing that. I I think that would be so bad for Darnold's development. And yes, I understand the schedule gets much easier, but like the you can't um, you can't just brush off how the positive impact that. Robbie could have on Darnold over these next uh, uh, stretch of games because if maybe maybe stats get inflated, maybe things get inflated because they're beating up on bad teams. But the you know the way that that will uh, the confidence boost that that will give Darnold that'll give the rest of the offense the way that he can continue to develop with him. I think that's more valuable than anything else. The the Thing, priority number one since they drafted Darnold has to be the development of Darnold and taking his best receiving option away is not helping him in any way, shape, or form. Um, and then further complicating matters is what are, what are you getting back for him? I know obviously it's a different situation here and each situation, each trade is different, but the Patriots just got a second for Muhammad Sanu. Um, Robbie Anderson is worth a lot more than Mohamed Sanu in a vacuum. Obviously, the Patriots do a lot more of the short game stuff, so Mohamed Sanu makes more sense for them. But you to getting a second round pick sounds nice and all, but at the expense of Darnold's development, nah, I'm not. I'm not going with it. I'm not going with it. Um, like I said, if in the offseason he wants more money and you're willing to pay, but you can replace him with another receiver before they actually have to play a game, I can be talked into it. You're taking away that piece of Darnold's development midseason and expecting him to adjust and look great against these bum teams with uh, without Robbie. I, I'm, I'm not here for that. It, does, it doesn't make sense to me. It's making Darnold's job harder on him it's making his development harder on him and everything should be geared to making that easier for him since you mentioned Mohamed Sanu Chris it's probably worth noting 
that that Patriots pick is essentially an early third round pick because it's going to be the 62nd pick most likely since the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. The other thing to remember is that Sanu has next year on his contract as well at a very cheap price, whereas Robbie Anderson would require signing him to an expensive long-term extension. So there's some differences there. And I think you make some really good points, and I agree with you that it wouldn't be ideal for Darnold's development. Certainly, the numbers that Michael Nania put together about what Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson were able to do together at the end of last season and then against the Cowboys this season were promising, but this all comes down to what Joe Douglas thinks of Robbie Anderson and to some extent what Adam Gase thinks of Robbie Anderson for the long haul. I know that you think that Robbie Anderson is capable of a lot more. A lot of other people do. I certainly think that he's capable of more than he's shown, but what does Joe Douglas think and what does Adam Gase think? Do they think that he's capable of a lot more than what he's shown? Do they think that he's worth paying and keeping around the long term? That's really the question here. And then it becomes, if you're Joe Douglas, you have a lot of work to do in the offseason, a lot more than a lot of Jets fans realize. You've got to completely rebuild that offensive line. You've got to get additional weapons at wide receiver. Now, obviously, if you lose Anderson, that subtracts somebody, but maybe you feel like it's a loaded wide receiver class so you could get a wide receiver to replace him and at the same time use this pick to get someone on the offensive line then of course they've got to get an edge rusher they've got to get two new cornerbacks maybe three to be honest with you because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Brian Poole he's on a one-year deal so he may go elsewhere so there's a lot for Joe Douglas to have to do here and so he may feel that he needs to load up on draft picks and if he's decided that he's not going to keep Robbie Anderson beyond this year then perhaps he feels that it's worth it to get a second round pick if somebody is willing to offer that. Now, that remains to be seen. I wouldn't trade him for anything less than a second round pick. I think a second round pick and you can make a compelling case. Anything less than that, and I just don't think it's worth it because for what you're going to end up doing, like you said, with Darnold taking away a weapon there, and on top of that, you would probably, we don't know for sure, but probably get that third round pick back in 2021 so I just don't think it's worth it for below a second round pick, but we're going to see what they do. It sounds like if nothing else, the store is open with Robbie Anderson. He is available. It's just a matter of if some team meets the price that the Jets are looking for. And that is going to be the case with Leonard Williams as well. I don't think the Jets are going to trade Leonard Williams just for the sake of trading him, but... I do think that they realize they have enough depth that if they get a package they like of draft picks and they can use those to, as I said, stockpile and go into the draft and start to fill the holes that they need to fill and rebuild this roster the way that Joe Douglas wants to rebuild it, he's probably going to make a deal here with Leonard Williams. And I teased this on Twitter, Chris. I said that I have some information on a team that may be a serious suitor for Leonard Williams. And I got to be honest, I'm surprised that this team is probably going to be a serious suitor because I never would have thought this. In fact, I would have bet against it at mybookie.ag, which is where you should be doing all of your gambling, especially since when you sign up there, they will double your first deposit. That's right. They will match your first deposit when you use the promo code OVERTIME over at mybookie.ag. But forget about the trade deadline. You can bet on all kinds of prop bets around the league and with the New York Jets. Is Sam Darnold going to throw for two or more touchdowns and bounce back this week? Is Le'Veon Bell going to have his first 100-yard rushing game this week? Will Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson cause me to curse at the television more or less than three times? It's going to be more. Trust me. It's going to be much more. Plus, you can bet on the actual game itself and the games from around the league. Go to mybookie.ag and sign up now. Get your first deposit doubled when you use the promo code OVERTIME. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, and you get paid. You may want to bet on the Jets game, but you also may want to attend it. In fact, you may already be in Jacksonville or you're planning to make that last second trip. If that's the case, you want to make sure you get the best tickets possible because nobody wants to travel all the way to Jacksonville to sit in the upper deck. So be sure to get excellent tickets for the game if you're down there. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app and you'll get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. Every purchase comes with a 100% ticket guarantee from Vivid Seats. Plus, you automatically get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program 
This gives you the opportunity not only to get great seats for the Jets and Jaguars if you're down in Jacksonville, but for any event that's coming to town that you want to see, a sporting event, a concert, a wrestling show, whatever it is your heart desires, you can get tickets for all of it at Vivid Seats. Remember, head over there right now, use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you'll get up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase. So the team that I teased on Twitter yesterday as potentially being a serious suitor for Leonard Williams, the Indianapolis Colts, Chris. At first, I thought no chance because we know that Chris Ballard loves draft picks and does not like to trade them. He's very stingy with his draft picks. I reached out to my buddy George Bremer, who covers the Colts for CNHI Sports in Indianapolis, about a week ago, and I asked Do you think that the Colts would be in on this? I know they have a needed defensive line, but they're notoriously stingy with draft picks. And he said, probably not. Well, a couple days later, I got a text from him telling me the following. He said that he has now heard that the Colts have a significant degree of interest. The price will be the question because their interior defensive line has not done what the Colts wanted it to. It's not lived up to expectations. And they feel apparently internally that Leonard Williams is somebody that could come in and make a difference for a team that's in the playoff hunt and for a team that has a legitimate chance at the division. They have a loaded roster. And by the way, worth remembering, they have a lot of cap space. So if Leonard Williams goes in there and does well, they could franchise tag him or they could sign him to a long-term deal because they have that kind of cap flexibility. I hope the fact that Chris Ballard, who's one of the best general managers in the league, seeing Leonard Williams as a potential difference maker on that line opens some eyes as to what people around the league think of Leonard Williams as opposed to what a lot of people on Jets Twitter think of Leonard Williams. But the question here would come down to price. Now, A, the Colts are not the only team that are interested and they're not the only team that's going to be making a serious offer. And B... Again, I'm not telling you that the Colts are going to go out there and get Leonard Williams. I'm just telling you that they are expected to be a serious suitor. As far as what the price could be from the Colts' end, talk to George about this as well. We both think that the deal that was made for Emmanuel Sanders could serve as a bit of an example as to what you could expect from the Colts as far as what they may offer. And that was a third and a fourth going to Denver in exchange for Sanders and a fifth. I'm thinking maybe it would be a third and a fourth for Leonard Williams and that sixth round pick that the Jets got from the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for Darren Lee. I don't know if they're going to get bigger offers than that. They may. Remember, a lot of people didn't think that the Raiders were going to get more than a third round pick for Amari Cooper. They got a first rounder from the Cowboys. Dante Fowler Jr. commanded a third and a fifth last year. When, as far as I'm concerned, and I think a lot of the league agrees, he was an inferior player to Leonard Williams. So I think the Jets would probably expect more than that. It's going to be interesting, Chris. Maybe some team that we're not expecting steps up with a second round pick. You never know. But I do think that a third and a fourth for Leo and maybe a late round throwback because a guy like Chris Ballard and a lot of other GMs like to have extra picks. They don't like to give up two picks. They might say, okay, if you throw me that late round pick, now I feel like I've only given up one draft pick in totality. So it's something to keep your eye on. But yes, the Coulter team that will be in the mix here. I don't know exactly where they're willing to go price-wise, but they are very interested And then I'm sure there are several other teams that are very interested as well because Leonard Williams is a very good player. And remember, he's only 24 years old. And so if you're a team that's a contender and you're looking for that one last piece on your defense, he could be the guy that you identify as somebody that could come in and help make a real difference. Yeah, so one one thing you guys got to – everyone's got to keep in mind here. Um, You you mentioned this when talking about Muhammad Sanu there. Uh, basically any team the Jets are going to be trading with for any of these players, it's going to be a later pick in that round. So even if we're talking about a second-round pick, it's most likely going to be right on the border of second or third because most of the teams that are going to be looking to trade right now are going to be playoff contention teams with Super Bowl aspirations. I know I saw the Raiders Raiders have been mentioned with – with Robbie Anderson, so maybe you could get more of a middle-of-the-round pick there. But with the Colts, obviously, and Leonard Williams, right now you look at the landscape of the AFC and how everybody's playing and looking right now. Obviously, the Patriots 
and penciled in uh, AFC Championship, etching in stone if you want. That That's probably just as safe. Uh, but the, the Colts right now have as good a chance as anybody to be in that AFC Championship game. They have to be feeling really good about this their chance right now. And if they look around and say, hey, we can get there, Leonard Williams can help us get there, and he might be able to help us win and get to the Super Bowl. And, yes, Chris Ballard is very uh, protective of his draft picks. He doesn't like to give them away, but he does have the cap flexibility. This is the stuff you always hear about. The reason why you have cap flexibility is so you can make moves like this in the season. You can be like, hey, we have a shot here. Let's go make this move to bolster a weakness of our team and make it uh, try to make it more of a strength. And, yes, he's stingy on giving up the draft picks, but he's been he's collected them and he hasn't given them away. So he can look and say, hey, all right, I am going to be willing to part with a draft pick for Leonard Williams who can help us now. And if he's looking and saying we could give up a second for Leonard Williams and that's probably going to be like the 58th pick in the draft or something like that, is Leonard Williams going to be a better player than whoever they're likely to get at 58? Yes, they have to pay Leonard Williams, but again, they have the cap flexibility. And again, like you, you mentioned, Leonard Williams is still young. He's still only 24 years old. So that would be a move that makes perfect sense for the Colts and a move that I could see Chris Ballard making, saying this is why I keep that cap flexibility. This is why I don't just give my draft picks willy-nilly so I can go and make it on somebody that can actually help us immediately and have an impact right away. Um, obviously, with Leonard Williams, I'm more willing to uh, let him go than I would – for Robbie because I don't think it's stunning any development there. They have so much depth on the defensive line. I probably am not going to pay Leonard Williams unless you, we're talking that you could get a really sweet deal. I'm not paying Leonard Williams because there's enough talent on that line. You got Quinn and Williams coming along. He's going to get better. Um, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be wanting to invest more money on that defensive line. So I'm not going to pay Leonard Williams. I don't think getting rid of Leonard Williams now in season is going to have a huge impact on this. It'll have some impact. Uh, the defense will be felt a little bit, but it's not going to stunt the development of anybody else. It's not going to mess up things for anybody else. And it's not going to really hold this team back. Where with Robbie, I think it just stunts the development of Donald too much. Leonard, you don't have that situation here. So I do think that the Colts make a ton of sense. Obviously, uh, because it's Chris Ballard, I'm still going to be hesitant to say it. You know, it's definitely going to happen. But I could see somebody else out there. Absolutely, we, we've talked about this a lot. Of every other team would love to have a Leonard Williams. Now, does it make sense for them? Does it make sense for them to give up whatever? If you get, if you can get a second back for Leonard Williams, you do it. No, no question. You got a third and a fourth or fifth, and then probably do that as well. Um, it just makes – there's really not much downside to get trading Leonard Williams at this point uh, because I just I just can't possibly imagine it being worth it, uh, being a smart idea to invest that money in paying him in, with the defensive line with the way this roster is constructed right now. I think what you're most likely looking at in terms of a return is either some team is going to surprise you and offer a second-round pick – or the more likely scenario is the Jets are going to get something similar to what Denver got for Emmanuel Sanders, a third and a fourth in exchange for Leonard Williams and a late round pick. I think that's reasonably fair value when you consider how much money he's going to command as a free agent at the end of the season and the fact that the Jets have so much depth on the defensive line. You'd like to keep Leonard Williams here, but... It makes sense that considering the fact that you have so much depth on that line that you wouldn't invest those kind of resources in him and you would trade him now. But I do think that there's a chance you could be looking at a second round pick. I think it's more likely a third and a fourth, but a second's feasible. I think a third and a fourth is worth it. I think anything less than that, and I wouldn't do it. 
I just wouldn't be willing to move him for a third by itself or a fourth by itself. I'd rather get the comp pick and let Leonard Williams play out the rest of the year because if he ends up playing well the rest of the year next to Quinn and Williams, you may have a change of heart in terms of keeping him or at the very least you could franchise tag him and then look to move him for something else. Worst case, you franchise tag him and you could still get a third because look at what happened with Jadavian Clowney, who by the way, apropos of nothing, is struggling mightily in Seattle. Not that has anything to do with it, just throwing that out there since we mentioned Jadavian Clowney. But I do think that anything less than a third and a fourth, and I would just hang on to Leonard Williams for the rest of the year. Same way that I think that if you're going to trade Robbie Anderson, you've got to get at least a second round pick. Otherwise, it's just not worth it, and I'm hanging on to him. I'd consider it for a second, but anything less I probably wouldn't do. So I think this is going to be an interesting trade deadline. For the most part, Chris, you don't get this with the Jets. Typically, you don't see big-time deals being made at the deadline with them. The only one that I remember, and it wasn't really a big-time deal, and it came out of nowhere, was the Percy Harvin deal a couple of years ago. That was a strange move. It came out of left field, and it didn't work. I thought at the time that it was worth a swing, but clearly it wasn't exactly something that panned out. The other one that I remember, and this is a lesser trade, was the Richard Robinson trade, which, by the way, I will still defend because... That's a guy who had flashed a lot of ability at times with the Niners as a starter. I know he had struggled a lot too, but he had starting experience. He was young. He had talent. You'd seen it on tape at college. So for the price of a fifth round pick, I think that that was a worthwhile gambit. It didn't work out, but that's what you use fifth round picks for to make deals like that. So I have a lot of gripes with Mike McCagnin, and I know that it didn't work out. But Chris, that's another example of process and results. The process was good. I thought the move was a smart one. It just didn't work out. Yeah, I, I'm not going to crush McCagnin for that one, though I'm less uh, willing to uh, com- com- cut him as much slack as you are for it. I, I, pr- I probably wouldn't have done it, but I do agree with your general, general premise there. Um, one thing I'll say about the Leo thing is I you could probably talk me into just accepting a third for Leo now. Just because even let's go through the comp process and say you get a comp a third round comp pick for him and just, just assume that that that's that would be a given that third you wouldn't get that pick until 2021 where if you traded him now you'd likely get a 2020 third round pick and that could just expedite the rebuilding process by a year just you know a, a, a little bit more so if now if they're still considering whether to give him long term money then I would uh, agree with your line of thinking there. But again, I don't just don't think it makes sense to invest the money uh, in another defensive lineman there unless you're going after somebody who can, you know, straight up just is great at rushing the passer. Um, so I wouldn't do that. And I so I would probably settle for, you know, just a third round pick or a third in some type of late pick swap um, just to expedite that process and get that pick going into next year's draft. I think you also have to set value too because if teams know that they can lowball you going forward, it's going to be dangerous. That's what happened with Mike McCagnin. He got taken for a ride on most deals. Now, the Sheldon Richardson trade is the only one that I don't think he did, but the rest of these deals, a lot of times he ended up getting taken advantage of, and I think that a lot of teams saw the early deals and then got in on it. So with Joe Douglas, he wants to make sure that he establishes himself as somebody that gets what he perceives to be good value in these trades. So that's a big part of this too. We're going to see what happens though. The trade deadline right around the corner, Tuesday, 4 p.m., and we will have Manish on to discuss the fallout on Wednesday morning. He's going to have all the breakdowns, all the news. We'll probably hear some stuff about what almost happened because there's <laughs> always stories about things that didn't quite go through that were in the works. And we'll have a lot of details about that as well. Chris, we're going to be back tomorrow with the pregame report to break down the keys to the game. Plus, we'll have gambling tips. The injury report with Dr. Stoller, weather from Ed Valley, and I believe your deputy editor, Alan Schechter, is going to be making his debut, giving us a weekly history segment because he writes a history piece over at your website. What website is that, by the way, Chris, and what can we expect to see when we head over there? JetsInsider.com. Uh, he got uh, Alan's history piece up there. I'll have my uh, game preview up there, and then, you know, it will be some, uh, uh, some trade uh, – uh, 
you know, rumors, uh, trade deadline talks. You, you obviously wish that the Jets were in a position to be sellers, uh, buyers, but they're not. Um, and obviously we'll be watching Darnold real closely at, uh, on Sunday and see how he does and have plenty uh, up there about that and how everything is going there. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow Alan Schechter, his deputy editor, and the president of the Calvin Anderson fan club at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.